Section 14 of Guy Mannering. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Guy Mannering or the Astrologer by Sir Walter Scott. Volume 1, Chapter 11. Enter time as chorus i that please some try all both joy and terror of good and bad that make and unfold error now take upon me in the name of time to use my wings impute it not a crime to me or my swift passage that i slide o'er sixteen years and leave the growth untried of that wide gap winter's tale our narration is now about to make a large stride and omit a space of nearly seventeen years during which nothing occurred of any particular consequence with respect to the story we have undertaken to tell the gap is a wide one yet if the reader's experience in life enables him to look back on so many years the space will scarce appear longer in his recollection than the time consumed in turning these pages it was then in the month of november about seventeen years after the catastrophe related in the last chapter that during a cold and stormy night a social group had closed around the kitchen fire of the gordon arms at kippletringen a small but comfortable inn kept by mrs mccandlish in that village the conversation which passed among them will save me the trouble of telling the few events occurring during this chasm in our history and with which it is necessary that the reader should be acquainted mrs mccandlish throned in a comfortable easy-chair lined with black leather was regaling herself and a neighboring gossip or two with a cup of genuine tea and at the same time keeping a sharp eye upon her domestics as they went and came in prosecution of their various duties and commissions the clerk and precentor of the parish enjoyed at a little distance his saturday night's pipe and aided its bland fumigation by an occasional sip of brandy and water deacon bearcliffe a man of great importance in the village combined the indulgence of both parties he had his pipe and his teacup the latter being laced with a little spirits one or two clowns sat at some distance drinking their twopenny ale are ye sure the parlour's ready for them and the fire burning clear and the chimney no smoking said the hostess to a chambermaid she was answered in the affirmative ein wouldna be uncivil to them especially in their distress said she turning to the deacon assuredly not mrs mccandlish assuredly not i am sure ony smart thing they might want from my shop under seven or eight or ten pounds i would book them as readily for it as the first in the country do they come in the old chaise i dare say no said the precentor for miss bertram 
comes on the white pony alcaday to the kirk and a constant kirk-keeper she is and it's a pleasure to hear her singing the psalms winsome young thing ay and the young laird of hazelwood rides hem half the road with her after sermon said one of the gossips in company i wonder how old hazelwood likes that i kenna how he may like it now answered another of the tea-drinkers but the day has been when ellangowan would have liked as little to see his daughter taken up with their son ay has been answered the first with somewhat of emphasis i am sure neighbour ovens said the hostess the hazelwoods of hazelwood though they are a very good old family in the county never thought till within these twas score of years of evening themselves till the ellangowans wow woman the bertrams of ellangowan are the old dingleways langsyne there is a song about one of them marrying a daughter of the king of man it begins blythe bertram's taken him over the fame to wed a wife and bring her home i dare say mr scree can sing us the ballad good wife said scree gathering up his mouth and sipping his tiff of brandy punch with great solemnity our talents were given us to other use than to sing daft old sangs so near the sabbath day how fie mr scray i's warrant i had heard you sing a blithe song on saturday at even before now but as for the chase deacon it hasna been out of the coach-house since mrs bertram died that sixteen or seventeen years since sign jock jacobs is away with a chase of mine for them i wonder he's no come back it's pitmark but there's no an ill turn on the road but twa and the brig or warwick burn is safe enough if he had to the right side but then there's a heavy side bray that's just a murder for post cattle but jock kens the road brawly a loud rapping was heard at the door that's no them i dinna hear the wheels grizzle ye limmer gang to the door it's a single gentleman whined out grizzle mon i take him into the parlour foul be in your feet then it'll be some english writer coming without a servant at this time o' night has the hostler taken the horse ye may light a spunk of fire in the red room i wish ma'am said the traveller entering the kitchen you would give me leave to warm myself here for the night is very cold his appearance voice and manner produced an instantaneous effect in his favour he was a handsome tall thin figure dressed in black as appeared when he laid aside his riding-coat his age might be between forty and fifty his cast of features grave and interesting and his air somewhat military every point of his appearance and address bespoke the gentleman long habit had given mrs mccandlish an acute tact in ascertaining the quality of her visitors and proportioning her reception accordingly to every guest the appropriate speech was made and every duty with distinction paid respectful easy pleasant or polite 
your honour's servant mr smith good-night on the present occasion she was low in her courtesy and profuse in her apologies the stranger begged his horse might be attended to she went out herself to school the hostler there was never a prettier bit of horseflesh in the stable of the gordon arms said the man which information increased the landlady's respect for the rider finding on her return that the stranger declined to go into another apartment which indeed she allowed would be but cold and smoky till the fire blazed up she installed her guest hospitably by the fireside and offered what refreshment her house afforded a cup of your tea ma'am if you will favour me mrs mccandlish bustled about reinforced her teapot with hyson and proceeded in her duties with her best grace we have a very nice parlour sir and everything very agreeable for gentlefolks but it's bespoke the night for a gentleman and his daughter that are going to leave this part of the country and one of my chases is gone for them and will be back forthwith they're no say will in the world as they have been but we're a subject to ups and downs in this life as your honour must needs can but is not the tobacco reek disagreeable to your honour by no means ma'am i am an old campaigner and perfectly used to it will you permit me to make some inquiries about a family in this neighbourhood a sound of wheels was now heard and the landlady hurried to the door to receive her expected guests but returned in an instant followed by the postillion no they cannot come at no rate the lairds say ill but god help them said the landlady the morn's the term the very last day they can bide in the house a thing's to be rupit well but they can come at no rate i tell ye mr bertram cannot be moved what mr bertram said the stranger not mr bertram of ellangowan i hope just even that same sir and if ye be a friend of his ye have come at a time when he's sair busted i have been abroad for many years is his health so much deranged ay and his affairs and all said the deacon the creditors have entered into possession of the estate and it's for sale and some that made the most by him i name no names but mrs mccandlish kens what i mean the landlady shook her head significantly there sayest on him even now i have a small matter due myself but i would rather have lost it than gone to turn the old man out of his house and him just dying ay but said the parish clerk factor glosson wants to get rid of the old laird and drive on the sale for fear the heir male should cast up upon them for i have heard say if there was an heir male they couldna sell the estate for old ellangowan's debt he had a son born a good many years ago said the stranger he is dead i suppose no man can say for that answered the clerk mysteriously dead said the deacon i's warrant him dead lang syne he hasna been heard of these twenty years or thereby i wot will it's no twenty years said the landlady 
it's no a boon seventeen at the outside in this very month it made an unco noise over all this country the bairn disappeared the very day that supervisor kennedy came by his end if ye kenned this country lang syne your honour would maybe ken frank kennedy the supervisor he was a heartsome pleasant man and company for the best gentleman in the county and muckle mirth he's made in this house i was young then sir and newly married to bailey mccandlish that's dead and gone a sigh and muckle fun i've had with the supervisor he was a daft dog oh and he could have hodden off the smugglers a bit but he was i venturesome and so ye see sir there was a king sloop down in wigton bay and frank kennedy he behooved to have her up to chase dirk hatterack's lugger ye'll mind dirk hatterack deacon i dare say ye may have dealt with him the deacon gave a sort of acquiescent nod and humph he was a daring child and he fought his ship till she blew up like peelings of ingons and frank kennedy he had been the first man to board and he was flung like a quarter of a mile off and fell into the water below the rock at warwick point that they call the gogger's loop to this day and mr bertram's child said the stranger what is all this to him oh sir the bairn i held an unco wark with the supervisor and it was generally thought he went on board the vessel along with him as bairns are i forward to be in mischief no no said the deacon ye're clean out there lucky for the young laird was stone away by a randy gypsy woman they called meg merrilies i mind her looks well in revenge for ellen gowan having guard her be drummed through kippletringen for stealing a silver spoon if ye'll forgive me deacon said the precentor ye're even as far wrong as the goodwife and what is your edition of the story sir said the stranger turning to him with interest that's maybe no say canny to tell said the precentor with solemnity upon being urged however to speak out he preluded with two or three large puffs of tobacco-smoke and out of the cloudy sanctuary which these whiffs formed around him delivered the following legend having cleared his voice with one or two hems and imitating as near as he could the eloquence which weakly thundered over his head from the pulpit what we are now to deliver my brethren hem hem i mean my good friends was not done in a corner and may serve as an answer to which advocates atheists and misbelievers of all kinds ye must know that the worshipful laird of ellangowan was not so precise as he might have been in clearing his land of witches concerning whom it is said thou shalt not suffer a witch to live nor of those who had familiar spirits and consulted with divination and sorcery and lots which is the fashion with the egyptians as they call themselves and other unhappy bodies in this our country and the laird was three years married without having a family and he was so left to himself 
that it was thought he held o'er muckle troking and communing with that meg Merrily's, what was the most notorious witch in a galloway and dumfrieshire baith a well i wot there's something in that said mrs mccandlish i've canned him order her twa glasses o brandy in this very house a will good wife then the less i lee say the lady was with bairn at last and in the night when she should have been delivered there comes to the door of the hay-house the place of ellangowan as they called an ancient man strangely habited and asked for quarters his head and his legs and his arms were bare although it was winter-time of the year and he had a grey beard three-quarters long well he was admitted and when the lady was delivered he craved to know the very moment of the hour of the birth and he went out and consulted the stars and when he came back he told the laird that the evil one would have power over the knave bairn that was that night born and he charged him that the babe should be bred up in the ways of piety and that he should i have a godly minister at his elbow to pray with the bairn and for him and the aged man vanished away and no man of this country ever saw more a him now that will not pass said the postilion who at a respectful distance was listening to the conversation begging mr scraves and the company's pardon there was no say money hairs on the warlock's face as theirs on letter gaze footnote the presenter is called by alan ramsay the letter gay of haley rhyme and a footnote and at this moment and he had as good a pair of boots as a man needs strike on his legs and gloves too and i should understand boots by this time i think wished jock said the landlady ay and what do ye ken of the matter friend jabos said the presenter contemptuously no muckle to be sure mr scray only that i lived within a penny stone cast o the head of the avenue at ellangowan when a man came jingling to our door that night the young laird was born and my mother sent me that was a halfling callant to show the stranger the gate to the place which if he had been sick a warlock he might have kenned himself one would think and he was a young well-fared well-dressed lad like an englishman and i tell ye he had as good a hat and boots and gloves as any gentleman need to have to be sure he did give an awesome glance up at the old castle and there was some spaywark gate on i a heard that but as for his vanishing i held the stirrup myself when he gaed away and he give me a round half-crown he was riding on a hike they called Supple sam it belonged to the george at dumfries it was a blood-bay beast very ill of the spavin i have seen the beast both before and since a will a will jock answered mr scray with a tone of mild solemnity our accounts differ in no material particulars but i had no knowledge that ye had seen the man 
so ye see my friends that this soothsayer having prognosticated evil to the boy his father engaged a godly minister to be with him morn and night ay that was him they called dominie sampson said the postilion he's but a dumb dog that observed the deacon i have heard that he never could preach five words of a sermon and lang for as long as he has been licensed well but said the presenter waving his hand as if eager to retrieve the command of the discourse he waited on the young laird by night and day now it chanced when the bairn was near five years old that the laird had a sight of his errors and determined to put these egyptians off his ground and he caused them to remove and that frank kennedy that was a rough swearing fellow he was sent to turn them off and he cursed and damned at them and they swore at him and that magmerilis that was the most powerful with the enemy of mankind she as good as said she would have him body and soul before three days were over his head and i have it from a sure hand and that's one what saw it and that's john wilson that was the laird's groom that meg appeared to the laird as he was riding home from singleside over gibby's snow and threatened him with what she would do to his family but whether it was meg or something wore in her likeness for it seemed bigger than any mortal creature john could not say a will said the postilion it might be say i cannot say against it for i was not in the country at the time but john wilson was a blustering kind of chilled without the heart of a sprug and what was the end of all this said the stranger with some impatience oh the event and upshot of it was sir said the presenter that while they were all looking on beholding a king's ship chase a smuggler this kennedy suddenly break away from them without any reason that could be descried ropes nor toes would not have held him and made for the wood of warwick as fast as his beast could carry him and by the way he met the young laird and his governor and he snatched up the bairn and swore if he was bewitched the bairn should have the same luck as him and the minister followed as fast as he could and almost as fast as them for he was wonderfully swift of foot and he saw meg the witch or her master in her similitude rise suddenly out of the ground and caught the bairn suddenly out of the ganger's arms and then he rampaged and drew his sword for ye ken a fine man and a cusser fears not the deal i believe that's very true said the postilion so sir she gripped him and clotted him like a stain from the sling o'er the crags of warwick head where he was found that evening but what became of the babe frankly i cannot say but he that was minister here then that's now in a better place had an opinion that the bairn was only conveyed to fairyland for a season the stranger had smiled slightly at some parts of this recital but ere he could answer the clatter of a horse's hoofs was heard and a smart servant handsomely dressed 
with a cockade in his hat bustled into the kitchen with make a little room good people when observing the stranger he descended at once into the modest and civil domestic his hat sunk down by his side and he put a letter into his master's hands the family at ellangowan sir are in great distress and unable to receive any visits i know it replied his master and now madame if you will have the goodness to allow me to occupy the parlour you mentioned as you are disappointed of your guests certainly sir said mrs mccandlish and hastened to light the way with all the imperative bustle which an active landlady loves to display on such occasions young man said the deacon to the servant filling a glass ye'll be no the war of this after your ride not a feather sir thank ye your very good health sir and what may your master be friend what the gentleman that was here that's the famous colonel mannering sir from the east indies what him we read of in the newspapers ay ay just the same it was he relieved cuddyburn and defended chingalore and defeated the great mahatra chief ram joly bundleman i was with him in most of his campaigns lord save us said the landlady i must go see what he would have for supper that i should set him down here oh he likes all that the better mother you never saw a plainer creature in your life than our old colonel and yet he has a spice of the devil in him too the rest of the evening's conversation below stairs tending little to edification we shall with the reader's leave step up to the parlour end of volume one chapter eleven